even imagined. Praise God. I'd like to look at a quick setting of Scripture. Psalm 103, verse 10 and 11. It says, He hath not dwelt with us, dealt, excuse me, dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards men, towards them that fear Him. Praise the Lord. I, I just want to testify for a moment about a little phrase that's been keeping me going. And it's because of the goodness of God and the blessing of camaraderie, the blessing of having folks in the church to converse with, folks in the church to help pick us up, amen? And Brother Tostin shared a song with me. And part of the lyric goes, it wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross. Hey. Amen. Man could not bind him to that cross. God can do anything. God can do anything. But God knew right. that he had to stay there. Yep. Otherwise, I would have no chance. I would die lost. It wasn't the nails that kept him on that cross, but it was the love of Christ. It was the mercy Hallelujah. that God has for each of us that kept him there. And that makes me, that ought to make you want to just shout and rejoice. Come it ought on. to make you, Come when you're on. going through your day, you can just say it wasn't the nails, but it was the love of God, the mercy of God. And all of a sudden you'll find yourself praising right through a trial. Amen. God yes, is good. Yes, sir. In the March, on the March calendar, which will be out, at least our new version of it, this Sunday, take note of the fact that on the 13th of March, if the wind isn't blowing, we're going to have a bonfire at our house and a cookout, Brother Lance is going to bring the grill and all that, uh, that'll be a Friday, but that Monday, which is the 16th, we're going to have time to grow here at the church, Monday night, I uh, hate to disappoint you, but Josh isn't teaching and I will be, all right? So wait, no, I'm just, but regardless, I, I'm going to be teaching on how to study the Bible. It is amazing to me. I've said it for a while, Brother Larry. We, we often confuse activity with accomplishment. A lot of people moving around in, in the religious systems of life, but they're not doing anything. A lot of people praying, making noise, but they don't, they don't do anything. And we're going to be talking about how to study the Bible. Please come and take notes for that. It's important. We need to know how to study God's Word. Check the calendar. It'll, they'll both be identified on there. Brother Joe's going to preach, and then I'll finish up tonight. Bless him, Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to be here on a Wednesday night. Amen. All righty. Sister Playl, if you wouldn't mind throwing my opening scripture up there. Uh, Self-serve nursery, Yeah. Self-serve nursery, anybody that needs to go out may do so real quickly. I'm going to read Micah 6, verse 8. It says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. I want to take a couple minutes of your time and just talk about what is required. Brother Playl, if you could pray for this service. Amen. You may be seated tonight. So just a little, little backstory on Micah. Um, he studied under Isaiah. 
uh, as we know, it's major prophet. Mike is one of the minor prophets. Uh, he, he was very familiar, obviously, with Isaiah's prophecy, who he was, an amazing prophet, man of God. But um, Isaiah lived in the city of Jerusalem. So it was in the thick of politics, religion, all these things. He was a very, very pronounced preacher of their time. Um, just historically speaking, they consider him more of a city preacher. If Jerusalem had billboards and things for preachers, Isaiah would have been on it. He was a very, very popular preacher. He was in the thick of things that I couldn't imagine being around. Micah was a man of a little bit more humble origins. Uh, he lived closer to the people, to the soil, more of a, more of a farmer's preacher. He was, he was more, more of a country guy, you know? And he exposed the corruption of business leaders who exploited the weak for personal gain. Uh, he says in Micah 6, 11 through 12, Shall I be pure with dishonest scales and with a bag of deceitful weights? For the rich men thereof are full of violence, and the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. He, he didn't like to see all of this corruption. He didn't like politics. He wasn't into the, the big city, all that. He just came from a different place. Uh, one of the things that he clearly just detests as you read through Micah is he hates people that were, in air quotes, religious. Uh, there was an empty ceremonialism in religion that had become kind of all too normal in his walk. Uh, he had seen it too often, and he really, really hated it. Um, uh, there were a bunch of people that wanted to meet all the religious requirements, but they replaced heartfelt worship with an empty ritual. Um, and that's, I mean, it sounds kind of like today, huh? It, it's not too far off. I know it was several thousand years ago, but how, how many people do you think are just playing church today? How many people are just kind of walking around thinking, I can just get away with the ritual and make it someday, right? That's how this works. All this leads to Micah's prophecy. If we go back, Micah 6, 6 through 8, says, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee? but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. So we went back over to our uh, opening scripture there just to kind of give it a nice loop around. I'm going to go through these one at a time, but he's basically just saying all these things that y'all think you have to do and, you know, are doing as this ritual, you're practicing your religion, all this, but he already showed you what you were supposed to do. He already showed you what he required of you, and that's the part that you missed. You're still living this, you're still in church, but you miss something that he required of you. So to do one at a time, uh, to do justice is to do things right, is to think and act nobly. It's to live up to the highest standards of conduct, and that includes fairness. Whatsoever, uh, Matthew 7, verse 12, says, whatsoever you desire for men to do to you, you shall also do to them. Kind of the golden rule, huh? If you want something, if you want to be treated properly and fair, treat people fairly. Not, not super complicated, not super deep, but it means a lot when you really study it. Uh, the Bible also says if you know what's right and to, do it's not, and to do it not, it's sin. It's unjust to not do something when you know that it's right. 
I have to think and act differently. I need to live up to a higher standard of justice in my life and to treat others with the fairness of Jesus to the best of my ability. Second, I need to love mercy. It unfortunately did occur to me that I tend just personally to start to take mercy for granted, not mercy given to me by God, but the mercy that I need to reciprocate with. It's so easy to love mercy when it's on me because I have issues, amen. I need the mercy of God. Paul said, I die daily. It's, it's an issue that I have that I'm trying to get through. I need the mercy of God. Otherwise, I don't get to make it. But it passes me by when it says I need to love mercy. That means I need to reciprocate it to the people, not just to love it for myself, but to give it back, amen. You ever read the parable in the Bible about the man who owed a king a lot of money? The king forgive everything that he owed him. The man went out and found somebody that owed him some money immediately and threw him in jail. Just like that. It seems like a ridiculous parable, but how often do I act like that? How often can I sit in the altar and beg for the forgiveness of God and walk out with bitterness on my shoulders? Seems a little backward to me. Seems like I forgot how to love mercy. Amen? Third, walk humbly with your God. Our God is a God that's all-powerful, wonderful, majestic, all these things, but we can relate to him as a friend to a friend. The Bible says he's closer than a brother. This is the type of God Micah had in mind when he said that we ought to walk humbly with him. Uh, But to walk humbly with God is also to remember our place. So yes, he's my friend. He's a wonderful father, but I have to know that while I stand with God, it's not his equals. I am not on that level. His thoughts are higher than mine. We are invited guests, and I cannot forget for a moment that God is our creator, and I am the creation. I have a purpose here. I have a walk, but it's not up here. It's down here, and I need to subject myself to the will of God every single day and walk humbly with him. Amen? So what's required of me? It's to do justly to others to love mercy and reciprocate it to the world and to walk with my God in humility every single day. And there's a bunch more. There's, you know, we know it's required that a man be found faithful. There's, it's, you know, we have to be humble, faithful. The Bible literally says, be ye perfect as I am perfect. We have to go to this other place and we could stand up here talking about all these things that really are required of us, but I really wanted to focus on this because In the book of Ecclesiastes, we find Solomon in the same uh, realm of thinking, but he starts it with, it's all vanity. He's realizing he's already at the end of this thing. He had everything he could have asked for. Riches beyond compare. Anything he wanted, done. His, easy. But he said, at the end, what do I need? At the end, the only thing that matters is to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. It's such an important thing that kind of just becomes one of these stickers that we put on a wall or maybe you have it as a wallpaper on your phone. It's much more than just a cute saying. It means so much more to God. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. If you put a price tag on your walk with God, you're going to end up having to pay it. If I say, ah, I want to do all this, but I'm not, not quite ready to go to that place. I'm willing to play church, but all that seems like a little bit much. That seems a little bit too Christian. That seems like the place that the world told me It's kind of a brainwash situation. It seems like a little old-fashioned to me. 
Ah, God has a different idea in mind. God says, no, this is what you needed to do all along. Yeah, you can sit in the pew. You can join your club and have a good time on Sunday. But if you're not going out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and saying, I'm going to love mercy. I'm going to do justly to these people. And the funny thing is, two out of three of these things have everything to do with souls. It's, it's not about me, amen? What is required of me? Care about them. That's what you need to do. Uh, when Peter is talking to Jesus, he said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. It's not about me. It's not about what I need to get from this, what I need to sacrifice for this. It's all worth it as long as I'm doing it for them. If I'm going out into this world and caring a little bit more, church has just become... The world likes to look at it as just some random thing that was put here. Like I said, it's old-fashioned. It's, it's unnecessary to the world, yet they hold up basically a sign that says send help, and they have no idea who to look for when we have help sitting on our table at home in a book that we refuse to share. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm not saying you have to go out there with a scripture plastered on your shirt walking around in circles. I'm saying maybe the guy on the side of the road holding up a sign asking for change, maybe he's looking for some real change today. I'm saying those people in the hospital that you've walked by time and time again, maybe they could use a prayer. Maybe they could use somebody to say, I care about you. I see that. I need to practice justice and mercy in my life. The world is so incredibly broken. How dare I stand there and do nothing? Pastor just talked about salvation on Sunday, and it's great. It's a beautiful thing. Baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's awesome, but it's a starting point. It's not where I end, amen? If I get baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, 20 years later, I die and didn't do a single thing else. I took my Holy Ghost to hell. What's the point in that, amen? If I didn't reach out with a hand of kindness, if I didn't say you are worth it, I get that I'm already in church, so I've got an answer that you might want. I see you like Jesus sees you. You're not just another person. You're a soul. You're somebody that belongs to God. You're a child, my brother, my sister. If I started to, nah, if I started to reach out like I really cared, if I started to reach out like I would for myself, if I could put myself in that situation with a needle sticking out of my arm, if I could put myself in that situation staring at my child in a hospital bed, not knowing what else to do, if I could put myself there, then maybe I'd care a little bit more. Maybe I'd show mercy when I needed to. Maybe I'd be just and I could continue to walk humbly with my God every single day and show the world what a real Christian looks like. Amen.